Hello, and welcome to Multifamily Real Estate Investing, presented by Mara Poling. Thanks for joining us again this week. My name is Pat Poling. I am the founder and CEO of Mara Poling, and I'm pleased to be with you today for a discussion on evaluating an acquisition. This could be uh, an investment you are getting ready to participate in. Maybe you're working with us or a firm like us, and uh, you're looking at an asset that uh, you'd like to understand better before you write a check. Uh, it's possible that this is an investment you already have, uh, either with a firm like us, uh, again, or maybe with us, uh, or an investment you have on your own, uh, potentially a residential piece of multifamily, single family, duplex, triplex, fourplex, uh, something in those lines, or maybe an acquisition you're getting ready to do on your own. Obviously, if this is something you're doing on your own, uh, you're going to be really familiar with it already and hopefully you've already addressed these items in your acquisition process. So this is a little more geared towards you're thinking about writing a check and getting in on someone else's acquisition. Uh, again, if you're working with us, which uh, obviously we love to have folks uh, come do, uh, or a firm like us, these are questions, areas that you wanna understand better, that will help you get more comfortable, not just with an acquisition, but also with the way that that sponsor uh, thinks about uh, the process and how it is they do what they do. I, um, I always invite all of you to, uh, to give us feedback, to, uh, to reach out and, uh, and chat with us, and I really appreciate that. Uh, pat at marapolling.com, that's M-A-R-A, P-O-L-I-N-G.com. I've got a special invite for you this week, and that is because uh, today we are announcing the latest acquisition by the Mara Polling Total Return Fund. Uh, and I would like very much to have you follow us along. You might be interested in becoming a part of the fund and participating in this acquisition. That would be great. Obviously, we'd love to talk to you about that. You also might just be interested in learning more about how this whole process works. And while we'll cover some of that over the next uh, handful of podcasts, uh, probably over the next couple of months, I'd like to have you um, participate, if you will, in following us along a little more closely. So if you shoot me an email, then I'll keep you on my update list and we'll provide you updates as we move through this acquisition process and give you a sneak peek. You can look over uh, my shoulder as we do this work. And again, depending upon which of those categories you're in, whether you're an owner of residential property or looking to make an investment with a firm like us, or you're already invested with us or with someone like us, this will help you uh, learn more about that process. So, um, so please send me an email, pat at marapolling.com. And as always, you can visit uh, the Learning Center at marapolling.com. Just go to the website. M-A-R-A-P-O-L-I-N-G.com and uh, click on the Learning Center. Lots of great material there. You'll see uh, past webinar recordings as well as upcoming webinars that you can register for. We're just about done with our webinar series uh, that we began in the latter part of 2018. And then we'll be uh, announcing the topics for, uh, for the next season of, the, uh, of our webinar series. So with that, let's, uh, let's dive into this whole process of how to evaluate an acquisition. 
And uh, these aren't necessarily in order. I've got five items for you. They're not necessarily in order, although the ones I'm going to talk about first are probably more critical than the ones I'm going to talk about later. Uh, so a little bit of uh, stratification, uh, but not I didn't I didn't sit down and really think about ranking them other than the first ones are the first ones that came to mind. And I think that says something. So we uh, so we want to start with asset quality. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different things in terms of evaluating an acquisition. The, the real bedrock of it, obviously, is tell me about the asset. I want to understand what it is. Uh, the acquisition that we are announcing today uh, is a Class B, B-plus asset built in the 80s, uh, two- and three-bedroom units, uh, washer-dryer uh, hookups in the units, uh, private uh, garages and parking, and it's a performing asset, 93% occupied right now. Uh, those are good quality uh, materials to work with. That, uh, that gives you a really solid asset to build on. Does that mean that if you had different characteristics, a, a different level of quality, that it wouldn't be a good investment? No, it doesn't. It means it would be a different kind of investment. So uh, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Well, the quality of the asset is in the eye of the beholder. The characteristics of the asset have a uh, significant bearing on what the strategy is going to be for executing. So as I said, this is a class B, X, Y, Z, so on. Uh, you could be evaluating an asset that is a C-class asset that was built in the 60s that's predominantly one bedrooms with a few two bedrooms. And if it's a C, you're not going to have private uh, parking or washer dryer hookups or those sorts of things. And it may be 80% occupied, so it's more of a rehab, or it might be 99% effectively fully occupied uh, as a, uh, a workforce labor housing uh, kind of location. Uh, so when you look at an asset, the quality of the asset is going to tell you a lot about what can be done with it. The assets that we invest in, our asset that we're acquiring right now is a good example of it are performing assets. We look for assets that are performing today, they're cash flow positive, they're uh, well occupied, and then we would look to build on those. You can make money in rehabs, it's a different risk profile. And that's something that you're gonna learn as you look at the individual quality of the asset. You could also go on the other side of where we aim, right? So you could be looking at a class A asset most likely built in the last uh, 10, maybe 15 years, something along those lines. Uh, could be a two and three bedroom uh, as we're looking at, uh, could be a smaller property, right? Ones and twos. And most likely has uh, amenities like, uh, you know, some uh, luxury fitness center and pool, uh, could have some, uh, you know, really high-end finishes interior wise, uh, wood floors, granite countertops, uh, raised panel, cabinetry, those sorts of things. Uh, A's work differently than B's. B's work differently than C's. Uh, if, you've, if you're a listener uh, for any length of time or you've participated in any of our webinars, and again, you can go check those out at the Learning Center, you'll know that we are big fans of Class B assets. Uh, 
whether B minus, Bs, B pluses, because we consider B the Goldilocks class. And I'm not going to get into that today. Lots of good material on uh, on the Learning Center about that. So understanding the asset quality, what are the characteristics of it? Uh, how's it performing today? Uh, what are the bones that uh, that you're buying into? The next piece that I would uh, suggest you'll take a look at would be the the market and more specifically the sub-market. What's going on in the neighborhood? Within a three to five mile radius of the property, 90% of what is going to affect your property happens. That's where people are going to work. That's most likely where they live today and would look to relocate whenever something triggers a relocation for them. They're going to shop. They're going to go to the grocery store. Their children are going to go to school. Uh, they're going to recreate. This is where the movie theater is. They're going to go to uh, and all the other sorts of uh, activities that fill someone's everyday life. So understanding that submarket, what's the employment like in that submarket? And this isn't something obviously you're going to go investigate. This is something your uh, sponsor should be providing you. In our instance, again, for this asset, we're going to provide lots of great data around population growth, job growth, income growth, which for this particular submarket are all faster than the U.S. average. That's part of the benchmark we look for. You're going to want to see some data on employment. Our acquisition is in a market that has, uh, one, a high degree of stability in terms of employment. It's diversified. And the employment is uh, at a higher level than uh, the U.S. average. So unemployment's very low in this area, predominantly healthcare, administration, retail, finance, really solid uh, employment uh, areas. Good quality schools, safe neighborhood. Those are the kinds of characteristics that we look like. They're also congruent, if I may use that word. It's congruent with the quality of the asset. Our asset is not an A asset. You could probably tune it up and get it closer to an A. And there are certainly elements of the submarket that are A characteristic. But it's a really solid B submarket, uh, a B, B plus submarket. So our asset fits very nicely in that. Purchasing a C asset in a B plus market, you can do it. It might be a really heavy lift to turn that C asset into a B, B plus grade asset. It can be done because anything can be done with enough money. Whether or not it's economical is a really good question. Uh, and you can certainly buy an A in a B market. Uh, there will be development that looks like that. And if you do so, you're, you're, we think you're really uh, hamstrung by that. So, um, so again, B markets, B submarkets, again, Goldilocks in, in class. Um, next, the comp, uh, the comps, the competitive market, and what's the strategy for the asset? The asset that you're looking at from an acquisition standpoint could be a fully improved performing asset. We would uh, call that a momentum asset. Not a lot of upside in terms of improvements you're going to make basically a coupon clipper. I'm going to buy the asset, put some leverage on it, execute management on a daily basis, uh, see some cash flow off of it, and ride the rising tide of all the rents in that particular submarket. 
We like light value ads, so maybe five to $8,000 a unit. Uh, typical improvements are going to be appliances and flooring and countertops and some refinishing of cabinets and the like, um, bringing the asset up to a competitive level for that submarket, which means you've got to understand what that is. So again, that's data your sponsor should be providing you, understanding what the rent differential is. This acquisition that, again, I invite you to follow along with me, shoot me an email, Pat at Mara Polling, uh, so I can do that and help you uh, follow us. The rent differential on this acquisition from where the rents are today to where the rents are in the market for competitive assets with the level of improvement we're talking about is about 20%. That's a nice gap, and it's not too big of a gap. Uh, for us, a 30% gap or a 40% gap really means you're more in that rehab category. You're, you're doing a heavy value add, not a light value add realistically almost a, a rehab and while your occupancy may be high you're absolutely going to turn everybody over it's very very rare that you're going to find an existing tenant base that's going to withstand a 40 percent uh, rent increase so you're going to turn everybody over if that's the case again that should be data you're uh, provided by your sponsor and we underwrite conservatively it's part of our improvement strategy we're certainly going to try and get all of that differential, again, 20% in this example. But what we're going to do is we're going to underwrite something below that. In this situation, we're underwriting about a 10% movement. That's a very reasonable assumption. Doesn't mean that we're guaranteed of hitting 10%. The likelihood of hitting a 10% differential as opposed to 20 is, is obviously a, a lot higher and leaves us with a lot of upside where we could hit 11, 12, 13, 15%. Uh, improvements, which would get us closer to the full rent differential. So the quality of the asset, the characteristics of the submarket, does the asset fit in that submarket? Does it make sense? What are the comps like and what's the strategy? Is it momentum, light value add, uh, a heavy lift value add, or is it a, a full-on rehab uh, and significant repositioning? The next piece and again, no sequence to any of these. Uh, this one, I think, is pretty much on equal footing with the others, is uh, what's the exit plan? There's a old adage that says you make money when you buy. And then you'll hear people argue that'll say, well, no, you make money when you operate. And others will say, and rightly so, uh, say, well, I think you make money when you sell. And we think that if you're managing a property well, you make money when you buy, you make money when you operate, and you make money when you sell, when you exit. Your strategy should have you in a position where you're optimizing the security and stability of the asset and the returns throughout the entire hold period. So there's an exit strategy. And I, I hope that doesn't sound odd to you that as you're acquiring an asset, you're already thinking about selling it, it's really critical that part of the acquisition, part of the analysis of an acquisition be, how are we gonna exit? Are we leaving, or do we have just one exit path? Do we have multiple exit paths? What, what are they? What's the timing of all of that? 
And those factors will weigh on whether or not this acquisition fits that model, or uh, maybe they maybe it doesn't, which means you're really narrowing it down to a few, a couple, maybe even one exit strategy. What are the options? That's important to understand. Again, using our acquisition that we're announcing today as an example, we have multiple exit opportunities. We're structured potentially to have a longer term hold. So that would be in the five to seven year time frame. We're also positioned to either exit sooner uh, with without any defeasance penalties based on the way our debt is structured for this asset or to refinance the asset uh, again without a defeasance penalty which allows us to pull equity out that we will generate from that value add uh, relatively quickly, uh, just on the other side of the value add improvement. So uh, late year two, sometime in year three, and then reinvest those dollars in additional assets, which will uh, boost the returns on this investment without changing the risk profile of this particular asset. Not all exits are alike. Uh, some exits are uh, rigid, right? There's a uh, there's a plan to get out at five years, and that's that's what's going to happen. Uh, some are are very short term. Uh, if you went back and saw an asset again, looking at the quality of the asset that was uh, underperforming, right? Had uh, low occupancy in the uh, sub market. The sub market maybe could support a better performing asset, but it's not well positioned. There's a big differential to comps. So you're going to pour a lot of money into it and do a really big heavy lift. The exit plan there might be to get out in two years or two and a half years. And you'll see investments like that. That's a different risk profile than what I'm describing in terms of the work that uh, that we do, that our acquisition that, uh, again, I invite you to take a peek at, is, um, is structured to do doesn't mean those are bad investments, they're just different. And that's one of the things you wanna understand when you're looking at uh, an acquisition and, and participating. What is the exit plan? Your, your sponsor, the investment partner you're working with should very comfortably be able to answer all of those questions about the quality of the asset, the submarket, the competitive environment, and what the exit plan is. The final element that I would encourage you to look at in evaluating an acquisition and this may be the one that you thought I would have led with or that would have shown up sooner on our list. It really is the last item I would encourage you to look at, and that is the actual financial returns. That doesn't mean that financial returns are not important. They obviously are. That's part of what you're trying to do here is you're trying to generate returns. I say it's part of what you're trying to do because the other piece is you're investing in multifamily real estate because of the security of being invested in a hard asset, because of the stability of being in commercial real estate, especially multifamily, given the supply demand imbalance that not only exists today, but that is forecasted by many and certainly by us to continue for quite some period of time. That makes security and stability a, a wonderful component of the return profile. And yes, you then ought to look at what kind of tax advantages are there? What's the uh, expectation of a cash return? What's the expectation of equity growth? And how does that return profile fit with what your expectations, requirements, needs are? 
you may find as you go through that, uh, and I think this is what you will find, that assets like ours, where you're dealing with a quality asset solidly in that Goldilocks space of class B in uh, well diversified, uh, higher growth submarkets with reasonable differentials to comps and a reasonable value add strategy with multiple exit opportunities, uh, you should find that not only are you getting security and stability, but you should be getting pr some pretty reasonable returns. Our return profile inside the fund is for, uh, you know, cash is in the neighborhood of 8% with mid-teens uh, kinds of total returns, uh, maybe mid to high teens, something like that, and mid-teens IRRs. So good, solid performance uh, from that standpoint. You can absolutely find investments out there that are going to have 20 and 25% IRRs, and they're going to have a different quality of asset and some different characteristics of submarkets and comps and so on. That does, again, when you're evaluating all that, that doesn't mean that one of them is better than the other. What it means is one of those is uh, should be attracting a certain type of dollar from your personal portfolio, and the other is going to be competing for a different kind of dollar from your portfolio. They're not they're not the same. Uh, they're not doing the same things. They're going to be meeting different needs. So when you're looking at an acquisition, again you're looking to invest with us or with a firm like us, uh, or if you're looking at an acquisition you've already made, one of your own assets or an asset that you are looking at acquiring, if you're in that residential space, run down that checklist. What's the quality of the asset? Think about the submarket, the competitive situation, and the plan for executing on that. What's the plan for getting out and what kind of options are available along the way? And then last, not not the not the least, if you will, because there's probably lots of other things you could look at. But last among this list would be then what do the returns look like? As I said, shoot me an email. I would love to share what we're doing with this acquisition. Uh, if you do so, I'm going to keep you on an update list so you'll get some periodic emails about what's happening. We'll try to integrate some of the activity from this acquisition in these podcasts so that all of you that are listening can benefit from what we're doing. It's not always going to be the case. Uh, next week, for example, we're going to be uh, talking about uh, answering the question, should I sell? And we'll be talking more about the uh, exit, uh, early exit uh, opportunities that sometimes present themselves. And that's an example of one where we won't necessarily be referencing this uh, acquisition in great detail. So uh, don't just rely on the podcasts to stay informed about what we're doing on this. Uh, peek over my shoulder, shoot me an email. We'll keep you in the loop on uh, what goes on. And please invite others. Uh, we, we get a lot of wonderful feedback about these sessions. I uh, hope that you're finding value in them. And I'd encourage you to share these with others, shoot people an email, uh, give them a link. Uh, and you're also welcome, obviously, to shoot me an email with their information. I'll be happy to uh, send this uh, info about the acquisition along to them as well. So thanks for joining us today. And I look forward to speaking, you with, <laughs> speaking with you again next week on another episode of Multifamily Real Estate Investing presented by Mara Poling. Thanks a lot.